out, everybody. Welcome to episode number 121 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, unfortunately, we have to start tonight's episode with some very sad news. Um, I had posted it on uh, our social media account. Our beloved BTC mascot and my best friend, Duke, my Bernice Mountain Dog, unfortunately passed away early last week. So uh, we have been stepping away from the show for a a little bit until I could gather my wits about myself and uh, get back to living somewhat of a normal life without him. So here we are, and I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our listeners who reached out to me when I had mentioned it on social media. So I just wanted to thank them for thinking of me. But what made this even specifically hard, like I said, he was my best friend, but uh, I'm really not a people person at all. (laughs) So him and I would spend literally every waking moment together. I would take him for rides with me every morning up to Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, I just miss him terribly. But, uh, you know, in in true BTC fashion, this kind of segues nicely into uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, because... uh, Chris, for the first time in BTC history, we're headed to Japan. To discuss (laughs) a very remote and isolated town where some would say reclusive people like to go to much like myself so without duke i'm 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 really considering making this move to japan chris <laughs> i may tag along with you of course <laughs> I'll, I'll reside on the other end of town of course but uh yes i too am not very fond of people more fond of animals of Uh-oh. course than absolutely than and uh you know i'm, I'm certainly going to miss duke coming into the btcrf and ruining some of our recordings and forcing us to do uh Several takes. <laughs> yeah, Duke Duke is going to be greatly missed. You know, times when I've gone over to visit, you uh, you can't miss him. He's, you know, he was such a, a big presence, literally. Uh, you know, Bernese Mountain Dog's massive. But he was, uh, he was always, you know, he always had to step over him. He was always right there and looking for belly rubs and stuff. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll definitely be missed. And even those lovely barks in the background of our recordings... <laughs> Which were still, you know, enjoyable. Well, I mean, that, that was the thing. He was everywhere he wasn't supposed to be. And uh, when I had gotten his remains back, I, I got a, like a, a little uh, plaque for him. And I, I planted his favorite flowers, irises. And I, I call them his favorite flowers because those were his absolute favorite of my flowers to ruin on me. Whenever they would bloom, he would put his fat ass right on top of them and, and just crush them for all eternity. So I, I thought it was fitting to put next to his uh, his little plaque that I have here for him. There's your damn irises. <laughs> so Chris, with all that said, what do you say we hop on a plane and head to this very remote region of Japan, bud? <laughs> I'm going to need you to put on your dancing shoes and buckle your seatbelt, because tonight, Chris, we are headed to the one and only Nagaro Village, which is more affectionately known as Scarecrow Village, and we're going to get into why that is in just a bit, but I figured, Chris, 
Maybe we just give a little background on old Nagaro village because I said uh, how uh, remote and isolated this area is. So I figured maybe we give a, a little bit of a rundown about where it's located and just <laughs> how few people are actually living there. I mean, there is a massive amount of human figures, but they all might not be amongst the living. So Chris, the ball's in your court. I'm going to say it to you right now. Kanichiwa. <laughs> oh, Kanichiwa to you, good sir. Chris, uh, Nagoro Village, what the hell you got for us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Nagoro, or Nagoru, and now, as you mentioned, also known as Nagoro Doll Village and Scarecrow. <laughs> Perfect, uh, just in time for Halloween. Yes, oh man, I couldn't be more excited about that. This little village, which is located on the island of Shikoku in the Tokushima Prefecture in Japan. Gee, excuse us, Chris, please. Now, now all of a sudden you speak Japanese. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> no, but uh, this small town, to say small it would be an understatement at this point, but it formerly had roughly 300 inhabitants. This, of course, was long ago, and now we are looking at closer to 27 uh, inhabitants, and that was as of 2019. So I, I imagine that perhaps that number has even shrunk still. But when I say that the inhabitants have shrunk, I, I should mention that something is filling the void. Whatever do you mean? Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you asked, because that's the topic of tonight's <laughs> case. Don't be coy with us, Chris. <laughs> so, just to give a little background, of course, small villages, in my mind, are enticing, but they are not quite as enticing in Japan. And as younger groups of people have, have kind of fleed these smaller villages and headed towards places like Tokyo and, you know, bigger cities. No, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I, for me personally, I would be absolutely thrilled that people were trying to leave the small towns because the less people, the better. I was going to say that uh, even uh, the original headcount you gave us of 300 <laughs> might have been a little too much for me. <laughs> I can't step outside my house and be in plain sight of another human being. It's just, you know, it's, it's just no way to live. It's very difficult. And I, I'm right here in uh, this little village. So, uh, all I can tell you is that uh, my neighbors are literally uh, roughly uh, about five or six feet away from me on either side. So, uh, someone with my personality is, uh, is a little bit difficult to uh, deal with. <laughs> it's uh, not really enjoyable when uh, you can hear every little thing your neighbor's doing yes. next door. Let's just say in this town, that's not an issue, but <laughs> the shrinking numbers, as I was mentioning, is people leaving, heading to first cities, and then just people passing away. And this artist that we will speak about kind of pays a homage or uh, does something to remember those who have left. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not what you may think. She creates these dolls, and they are replicas of those who have left left yes and some that have left the village and some others that have uh, left the earth altogether the artist by the name of Tsukimi Ayano has well brung the village back 
to life. <laughs> you sure about that, bud? <laughs> In some ways. Well, you know, I'm looking at it, and different articles refer to her as Ayano Tsukimi. But you're finding ones that say Tsukimi Ayano. So we don't know which is the first name or which is the last name. But nonetheless, these dolls are her creations. Yes, and I, and I think the idea was here is, is that it was a way to fill her own loneliness. Because I believe it started out with her making a replica of her father. And this was just a way for her to cope with being alone. But she didn't always live here. Did she? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Chris. <laughs> God. Well. <laughs> this is all falling apart. No, she didn't. I'm going to call her Ayano. Ayano, we find out, actually moved away from Nagato for quite some time. But it seems that in 2002, she returned. And upon her return, she realized that the population was almost non-existent. And, you know, like you said, we get figures, uh, I think you mentioned 27 people, and I've heard it as low as 10 people. But we should note that Nagaro is located in the Aya Valley, so that is indeed a mountainous range. So people can be spread out all over the place, so I, I think it's hard to get an exact number on how many people live there. However, I've seen videos, I mean, there are structures there. But the, the village does look fairly um, run down to a degree. It is somewhat empty. But with these abandoned buildings and the lack of residents, that kind of acted as the catalyst for Ayano to begin creating these dolls. And like you said, she initially began making these scarecrow-like figures in order to honor her parents, her mother and father. But as time went on, she decided, you know what? Why don't we start honoring all the former residents here? So she began making these dolls slash scarecrows and placing them in different sections of town to honor the former residents. And she would make them appear as if uh, they were the person themselves, whether it be an old guy, uh, like an old lady, or a, a young kid. You know, so she would try to make a lifelike replica of that person. I say lifelike, but they are lifelike in size and in size alone. Because when you look at these these dolls, they they look like uh, like your favorite toy from the early '80s, a Cabbage Patch doll, just a, a very human sized Cabbage Patch doll. Yes, this is like a sewn fabric doll. So that while I'm sure some of the features and what the dolls were wearing were that uh, that resembled that of those who had left or deceased. They weren't very human-like, which I got to tell you, I'm probably very thankful for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't look overly creepy. Like, and like you said, thank God they aren't overly human-like. I mean, the only thing would be the body size itself. But uh, we learned that the hands and the head are uh, made of cloth and cotton. And the body itself is filled with newspapers that are stuck into the clothing. With that said, I mean, the, the, the body parts are somewhat flexible, so you can move them around as she pleases. You know, when you're looking at the face, <laughs> if you're off in a distance, I, I think you could mistake it for a person because they have these beady little eyes, which are generally buttons. The nose is sewn tighter together, so which kind of creates the illusion of there being a nose and a mouth. So, I mean, some of the men have mustaches and hats. The ladies have longer hair. If you're looking at this from a distance, you might mistake one of these dolls as a living, breathing 
human being. <laughs> and I can't imagine uh, that conversation would have much weight to it. Uh, <laughs> no. no. Although that's the kind of person I'd like to talk to. <laughs> one who doesn't talk back. But I, I will say this. That um, you know, that she strategically places these dolls all around the the town there, right? So it looks like it's just a one road town that goes through this village, but it's like a, a windy hill that goes in and out of the mountain range. So these dolls are located all around the village. There's a bus stop that has a family in it. You know, you got the random <laughs> looks like maybe a random drunk just hanging out near the bridge. Uh, you got a couple little kids playing at a park. At one point, this village did have a population of a couple hundred people, so that would warrant a school for the young children. Wouldn't it? Chris. That's Japanese for Chris? I doubt it is, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You are correct. Uh, Of course, with uh, any small town, if you... uh, have children, they need to go to school, and they had a village school, but that school closed its doors in 2012. And so Ayano basically decided that she wanted to fill the classroom again with students and teachers. And so she made a large number of dolls to sit in the chairs and had a teacher up at the chalkboard. Well, Doing lessons, I, I'd imagine. So uh, you're, you're saying the village still warrants this school. Children are there learning. I mean, you can't put a price on that. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and, and were the teachers pushing their own ideologies, Chris, and not teaching them a subject matter? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. Here we go. <laughs> continue, Chris. Please continue. <laughs> uh. But yes, they uh, so there there is this school that has uh, children. There, uh, there's a man fishing in the river, as you'd mentioned. There has different dolls located all over the town to give the feeling as if this town is alive and well. And at this point now, it has gained a lot of popularity, and and you know now it is a a very big tourist attraction. So perhaps what uh, Ayano is doing here is in fact bringing life back to this little village just by way of tourism. Yeah, because there's a bunch of videos on YouTube of people making the trip from different islands in Japan just to go check it out. And who knows? Maybe one day there will be uh, living human beings uh, that, that come to populate this small region again at some point. Well, you know, which got me thinking, Chris, and, uh, you know, as we said, the town is indeed very isolated, and there were even reports of there just being 10 people, okay? So, you could imagine that you could get somewhat lonely, you know, if you're by yourself, and maybe you're looking for companionship. I would think that this could kind of play with the mind a little bit, like, you know, would you begin treating these dolls as if they are living, breathing human beings. Would you have conversation with them? Would you eat dinner with them? And um, perhaps you would find one that you connect with. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Perhaps you would find one that you connect with. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> Please, Chris. And you would want to take the relationship to the next level. What the fuck? My, my question is, do you think that making these dolls <laughs> so um, not lifelike in appearance, but lifelike in their placement around the town, 
do you think it can have uh, an adverse psychological effect on uh, those that live there in this remote region? I mean, I, I would say, I guess I wonder what everyone else thinks, but there really isn't anyone else to <laughs> to have a thought about this because it is so uh, remote in this location. But I don't know. I, I do see what you're talking about. Obviously, if you're in a situation where you're tied to this very, very small village and you don't have the means to move out of from it or, or don't want to, I could see that perhaps you might get a little friendly with the uh with the dolls there i i mean look the, the mind is uh is a crazy thing once it's uh once you have no human interaction it, it could do all sorts of things and um you know i i wouldn't put past anybody you know perhaps uh saying good morning to a uh, certain doll as they pass by um, or engaging in um some uh just Chit chat. How's the weather? Well, well, Chris, I mean, there's a big difference between saying hello and consummating a really and uh, consummating a, a relationship uh, to, to a certain degree, Chris. <laughs> well, I would hope that there'd be consent in this situation. <laughs> but I, I really am curious about that. You know, if you're so alone, you're isolated. Would that play a role in uh, how you think and, and how you treat these dolls? Because, you know, as you said, even at the school, the kids are in a gym and they're playing and there's like a little lunch area and there's like snacks laid out. You know what I mean? There, I saw one video where they had tea and whatnot laid out on, on, on the table. Ayano is not only making these dolls, but she's getting help from the other residents and really making um, lifelike scenarios. And I, I should say this. <laughs> I, there is one creepy thing about this. I, I don't think it's... In all honesty, I don't think it's that creepy and I don't, I don't think there's anything... Uh, weird going on here. I, I think she just enjoys doing it. It keeps her mind occupied. I was just fucking around. But um, <laughs> but I will say this. I saw one video. <laughs> it had one of these dolls, or scarecrows, whatever the hell you want to call them, peering through the window. So that would be like uh, me recording this here now at the BTCRF and, and having one of these little uh, newspaper-filled freaks looking through the window. I wouldn't like it. <laughs> but I, I, I will say this. It, it definitely is much better. The, the, the look of these dolls is much better than, God forbid, if this was a village filled with uh, mannequins. You wouldn't see me in that goddamn thing at all. Or wax figurines Oh, or dude, something. no. No, man. That, see, that is what uh, makes this a lot less creepy, is that these, they look just like large Cabbage Patch dolls. I mean, you could tell that they're they're fake. They, they don't look creepy at all, in my opinion, and I'm terrified of dolls. But if it was like a mannequin, or you said a wax figure, or, God forbid, it's those little ventriloquist dolls, I'd have, I, I would turn to dust. Absolutely not. Yeah, these look. Uh, if actually, if you look at some of the figures, they they look like they could star in the Muppet Show. Um, <laughs> no, that's unnecessary. They, they have no, no, no. I, <laughs> they have like you know how some dolls only have uh, you know or scarecrows, I should say, have the face and then you know there's a hat on them or something. This has actually hair sewn into these things. You know what? You brought up a good point. Do you remember the Muppet Show and they had those two old assholes who who? Oh yes, who, those are my favorite. They were in a balcony. Remember yes. when they, they would just talk shit to the characters? Right, and They, laugh, they yeah. look like those guys. That's exactly who they look like. I also should mention that I, I do notice name tags on some of them. Really? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, there is a... Uh, there's one that looks like this is a New York Times article. This was in, published in 2019, so that number that we had mentioned about the population is probably at that point in time 27 people. 
And this article mentions that the dolls outnumber the true population of the town 10 to 1. I don't know if we had mentioned, but there's anywhere from 350 to 400 of these scarecrow dolls uh, all throughout the village. Yeah, Christine. <laughs> there's quite a few of these dolls, uh, <laughs> hopefully not roaming around a village, but uh, they far outnumber the actual living, breathing human beings that uh, occupy this territory. And we should say, uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up just uh, how big uh, Nagato Village is, and, and there's literally no information. So this is pretty much just a, a one-road town. And it looks like, well, on the video or so, it looked like there was a little bridge with some water and mostly just mountainous regions. So it doesn't look like there was, there was much there. I mean, there maybe like a factory or something like that, but that has since closed down. So there's really nothing there. I don't think this place will ever truly die. And, and perhaps maybe... Um... That's that's thanks to uh, Ayano. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's single-handedly putting the spotlight on Old Nagato here, which it has to be good for the people uh, of uh, this village. What what people? <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, uh, Ayano, uh, Ayano herself. <laughs> well, I just thought, I just thought like of a funny thing where. You know, what What if someone was driving through the village, uh, not from the area, and their car broke down, and, and screaming out to, or yelling out to somebody in their yard, who's, you know, just appears to be uh, doing some light gardening work, uh, and you, uh, you there, I, you know, can I use your phone? <laughs> and, uh, well, there would be no response in return, at least I fucking hope. <laughs> and especially, if, I mean, especially if you break down at, at dusk. So I mean, oh. it makes it even difficult to, to, to uh, confirm what you're looking at. And as you said, you know, oh. there is actually a doll that is propped up <laughs> in one of the, uh, the, 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 the yards there doing some landscaping. Yes, uh, that's actually the one I'm looking at right now. It does appear uh, someone might be just taking a small rest after have perhaps doing some weeding out back. Yeah, so if you go to the bus stop to wait for the next bus to take you out of town... <laughs> and you, you see, you know, it's packed with uh, the villagers, you know, and you, you're going to go talk to them and ask them, where the hell can I go? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're surrounded by uh, seven or eight of these dolls. <laughs> can, can you imagine the bus rolls up and there's a doll driving the goddamn oh, thing? See, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it, they don't look creepy, but if you start thinking of these different scenarios, and this is what I was talking about, I think your mind would eventually start playing tricks on you. Whether you knew the dolls were there or not, for instance, if my little town here was loaded with these dolls, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But, 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 Chris, if I was walking by myself at night, and even though I knew there were dolls and I know exactly where I am, it might be one of those things, you know, when you shut off the light in the kitchen and you run to your room, like you get that bad, <laughs> that bad feeling. I could see something like that happening. Oh, yeah, your mind definitely plays tricks. I'm sure that uh, to your perception, perhaps one of them would be moving at some point. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's when the uh, adrenaline kicks in and you uh, top speed is uh, 50 miles per hour on, on your little legs. Dude, absolutely. You, your mind would definitely play a trick on you at some point and you would imagine that the thing was moving. Even if it was a slight movement, like maybe the leg moved or, you know, God forbid, an arm dropped. You're like maybe oh look, God, the, the, little news, the, the little newspapers got wet in there and it just added a little weight and boom. 
Oh man, I would hit hyperspeed. And, um, and it depends too if you're, you know, a, a religious or a spiritual person. If you do believe in the afterlife, and uh, you know that there are these spirits that exist around us, perhaps, you know, the spirit of uh, the, the person that the doll is honoring could be very close and thus trying to send a message to <laughs> any passerby. I think we've watched and done far too many doll cases for us to believe that these things are innocent. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're speaking in a very brazen manner just because of the way they look, but uh, I wasn't so brave when we talked about that doll in uh, Australia with that big nose and the, the, the big chin. <laughs> that was lurking in the depths of the, of the abandoned house. Oh, God, man, that thing was absolutely terrifying. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to, to talk a big game when I'm sitting here safely in the BTCRF <laughs> across the other side of the world away from these things. But uh, I think, you know, if I'm looking at my window at night and you see these these human-like figures, I don't know. I could see myself getting freaked out by it. Well, um, I'm sorry to hear you say that because I actually reached out to Ayano and she made an exact replica of you, Bill. <laughs> I hope she leaned it down a little bit, Chris. I'm still carrying a little holiday weight from last year. All joking aside, clearly she's making these, and she's very talented. If you look at some of these, I mean, the details, the hair, the sweaters, all the stuff that, that she's doing is, uh, it's remarkable. And she's obviously over the years from her experience doing this has, has really honed in on her expertise. But I think, you know, you ever see those, they're kind of like scarecrows, but they're, you know, they're like fall themed and they're, they're in these like. The stores when you go to buy uh, different decorations for outside, I could see these kind of things. If if it had like a fall vibe, scarecrow vibe to it, I would buy that absolutely. Well, that's what I was just thinking. I mean, Ayano, uh, like you said, she's very talented, and we're just having a little fun about it. But you know, it's a way for her to stay creative in this isolated village, and it's a way for her to kind of maybe put her mind at ease and keep herself busy. But um. I think she may be onto something here because as this scarecrow village gets more popular and gains more momentum, I could see this becoming a, a huge uh, <laughs> profitable business for her. And uh, maybe I should get my little grubby hands in on uh, this deal <laughs> before uh, it really takes off, Chris. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think she could really market these things as the Cabbage Patch dolls were, and they would be so unique and handcrafted. I, I think it would be... Uh, a million dollar idea, and I'm not joking. Well, perhaps, Bill, she's not all dollar and cents. <laughs> not like me, Chris, please. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's it, Chris. I mean, that is the tale of Nagato, Japan, affectionately known as Scarecrow Village. But uh, let me ask you this before we uh, before we take off here. Do you get the sense of anything bizarre or creepy taking place there? In... Nagaro. No, I, I, I say in I, oh, Nagaro. I, I heard you first time. I, uh, <laughs> All right, continue, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I, there's no, uh, there's definitely no malice or any feelings of, uh, I don't know, like like these dolls are being inhabited by spirits or anything. And I don't think anyone gets that vibe really. Obviously, as you mentioned. Uh, you're there long enough. The you know the mind can play tricks, but 
I think the way that these are made in a way that is also not too creepy uh, in, in appearance, which goes a long way. If these didn't, if these dolls looked the slightest bit creepy, I would uh, I would have a different feeling about them for sure. But I think uh, it's just you know someone who misses uh, having a village that was somewhat full of people and um, has good intentions on, on just trying to bring to restore it back to its uh, its old ways. And I think if I had any interest in traveling anywhere, really, I wouldn't mind taking a visit to see this little village. Well, uh, Bill, what say you about these dolls? Uh, you know, we, we, we would love to hear your opinion. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, like I said, these look like... Uh... Cabbage Patch dolls on steroids or, you know, like a human growth hormone of some sort. So <laughs> they don't look very menacing to me at all. They actually look somewhat cute, you know, like something I would buy for my daughter or something like that. So uh, I, I think that Ayanyo here is a very talented lady, as you said, and she's staying creative. And I hope she can really make some cash off of this. And I, I think it's a great idea. And it's also a way to bring tourism there. You know, like every video we see, she's very open to uh, visitors and anybody who wants to go uh, discuss why she does this. And she seems like a very pleasant lady. So uh, I say I, I would be completely fine with uh, visiting this place. I, I, I feel nothing creepy about it. But <laughs> I was thinking about this. What if Ayanyo uh, was pissed at one of the, her fellow townsfolk and uh, she got up in the middle of the night and started moving the dolls around to different locations? <laughs> mm. <laughs> or uh, Like, like, like all of a sudden, all 400 are gathered in front of a neighbor's house? <laughs> like an angry mob? Good grief. Yeah, well, that would be my last day in the village for sure. <laughs> But uh, no, man, I, I, don't, I don't think this is creepy at all. I, I think she's just having fun and it's giving her a sense of peace. So who the hell are we to say anything? We're nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Says um, our small group of listeners. Yes, uh, nobody really cares. I don't care. So Chris, that's it. And this time I mean it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> that is the story of Nagaro Village, a.k.a. Scarecrow village and um i should mention chris that it's time hudson valley horror month part two is officially on its way and i got a couple <laughs> of great stories coming your way one is actually a listener request from my friend brendan and uh, of course he gives me one that requires so much research, it's filled with details that I, it's, that's going to take a little while. That'll probably be the end of the month. But uh, I found one uh, that has uh, some very uh, interesting character names in it, Chris, that I was telling you about. <laughs> so uh, that, that's going to be a fun one to cover. And hopefully we were, we can actually stay respectful, you know, when we're talking about it. My goodness. But uh, that's coming up uh, in a few weeks. So that is Hudson Valley Horror Month Part 2. It's on its way. So uh, with all that said, Chris, let's give the rundown and we can get the hell out of here for the night. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. If you would love to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free to do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. And uh, I think that's it, Chris. So without any further ado, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a farewell. <laughs>
That's it. Oh, God. I'm probably not too much to edit out there.